Hello, I'm Claire from Wild Ginger Running, the trail and ultra running YouTube channel. And this is the podcast version of my weekly live chat with an athlete, coach or other running expert. The link to the original film on YouTube is in the show notes. Check out my Instagram and YouTube channel for more training advice, inspiration and gear reviews. Everything is Wild Ginger Running and my blog is wildgingerrunning.co.uk. Support me on Patreon if you enjoy this free advice at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Enjoy this podcast and see you next week for more. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, welcome to another Scotney takeover of Wild Ginger Running. We are at a later time tonight because of, uh, well... Our guest requested that we maybe did a little bit of a yeah, later time. Yeah, he needed some, so he some did... more time to get his tea in or something like that. Tea? Yeah. I mean, like cups of tea. Oh, cups of tea, yeah, because this person's well known for their, for their cups of tea. But how are we doing, Jen? <laughs> yes, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> that, the customary uh, asking that question. <laughs> same old, same You've seen old. me today. I have seen you today, <laughs> indeed. But just for our listeners out there and those who are joining us live on YouTube. If you are joining us live on YouTube, thanks for coming along. And uh, please, you can ask our wonderful guest some questions. And who is our guest this evening, Jen? Oh, I don't know. Some guy called Damien Hall. Oh. <laughs> Do we know him? Good evening, Damien. Hi. He sounds rubbish. I wouldn't have him on. Get a proper guest. Get a proper guest. John Kelly, something like that. Yeah. How are we doing? Yeah, good, thanks. That was very professional, Marcus. That was very good. Actually, I thought, we haven't show, actually really introduced you at all. <laughs> <laughs> so this is ultra running, international ultra runner, fifth at UTMB, did winner mention- of numerous races. I did write your bio to put on the proper <laughs> podcast <laughs> notes. Um, and podium at some of the toughest races as well. Dragon's Back, Spine Race. Is it one race called UTMB, isn't there? I, think? I mentioned that. First. Oh, you mentioned that one as well. But also, you seem I was to have fifth. I was fifth there. A, um, a little um, fascination with breaking records as well. Are we calling them records or FKTs tonight? I feel like Stu Smith will keep badgering me if I call them FKTs all night. So I'm going with records, but you're welcome to use the FKT. <laughs> um, and to talk to us about your new book, um, In It for the Long Run, which. Mm. Yeah, so congratulations on that. Oh, thanks. Uh, that's also rubbish. I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy that. <laughs> Steal it. You meant, you meant to be selling. I'm it. sure you're contractually obliged to um, tell us how wonderful it is. It's uh, it's terrible. It's uh, honestly it, uh, no. It's well, hopefully it's okay in places. But yeah, it was a bit like an ultramarathon. Started out quite well, maybe a bit too pacey. Wheels fell off towards the end and then just stumbled over the line. Uh, just about made the, the third deadline after a few all-nighters. Uh, lots of bad bad nutrition mistakes. And um, how would you describe, like, what book did you set out to write? Because it's quite a, it's not just about your ultra running or your records. It's also a little bit of history about the sport and also some some other issues, such as environmental issues and things like that, weave into it. Oh, You've actually read it. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> One of us um, has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of it, Marcus? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I Marcus skim ran to where he was mentioned, but yes, I have read it. I so, was say you, uh, so you, you should, was that the book you should, that you set out to write, or did you, you not really have uh, plan? You shouldn't tell him what I said about him then. Um, yeah, good question. Uh, 
It did change a little bit. Um, they first of all, it was Kirsty Reed at uh, Vertebrate. It was her idea, um, and she wanted, I suppose, sort of my insight into into record slash FKT bothering. Um, but over time, that I suppose it turned into a bit more of an autobiographical thing, which I was a bit nervous about. But that's just kind of what came out. Uh, but then I've always been very interested in, I love the pedestrianisation, you know, the, sorry, pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre in joke for Alan fans there. Um, I didn't know that was something you were so so keen on. I think I it? missed that chapter in the book, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Are you now moving on to like kind of bits of Bristol, the kind of now section? And that... Just uh, the pedestrianism era in the, in the late 1800s, which was, um, yeah, uh, fascinating, uh, incredible, wacky, uh, screw loose. Uh, era uh, and that isn't celebrated enough I think I honestly think there's some great films in it you know Captain Barclay and people like that and people running from Paris to Moscow and then did they because actually the stats don't don't quite line up and you know just a fascinating era which was actually quite short uh, and ruined by the bicycle yeah um, yes that came in and then damn that penny farthing yes. <laughs> um, but it was an incredible era and actually that well Records and FKTs actually started long, long before that. In fact, the birth of the marathon, of course, was a sort of not an FKT attempt, but a long journey that wasn't a race, um, you know, a messenger traveling a long way on, on foot. Um, so I don't know, the, the history stuff just came up as I was going and I just really enjoyed researching that. Uh, so I chucked a bit of that in as well, I suppose. But yeah, it always ends up a bit different. And then I tried to be as honest as I could. Of course, a few things get taken uh, it's smarter to leave out. But yeah, I tried to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> that, that, sounds that sounds like controversial, eh? a bit like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Probably if I left them out, I should probably not say them publicly. I can't think of anything too dramatic, actually. Just one or two tiny things that actually, I don't know, maybe someone was having a bad day and, and actually putting it in a book isn't very kind. Or maybe I was having a bad day, more to the point, um, like today. Um, but yeah, it changed a bit to answer your question. But hopefully it's still, I don't know, hopefully it's still worth reading. But uh, who knows? And how who would knows? you describe it now if somebody asked what your book was about? Load of nonsense. <laughs> uh, I suppose it's my, load of bobbins. Um, I suppose it's my, my mostly my journey into ultramarathon running. And I guess one of the themes is try, uh, almost that debate a bit about not what's better races or, or solo challenges, but what are the differences? Because uh, of course we can all do both, but like, what are the big differences between them? Um, and and what what do the, what what does one give you that the other one doesn't? And that sort of thing, I suppose. Um, yeah, I don't know if that sounds like a good summary or not. <laughs> <laughs> You've read it. You you haven't. <laughs> you need to take over the PR for this well, one. <laughs> probably. Um, Trond, oh, who's joined us live on, on YouTube, so he's just. Just read it and it's an excellent book. Oh, there we go. That's all so, we need to say. <laughs> we'll maybe get Trond on. He can maybe give us a bit more of a... You could, if you could just ask him instead. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, Hannah Basley's still waiting for her copy. Um, so, yeah. Can you chase up where that's gone, please? Yeah, but she's got to do the kids' bedtime shortly. So, um, I think she maybe wants us to hurry up. <laughs> she says she'll catch you up on a recording later on. So, she'll... she'll uh, um, when she's read it yeah. Uh, yeah most of that's not good bedtime sort of story a children's story bedtime reading oh. necessarily i don't think well, you, they're dreaming especially... about toenails falling off and hallucinations and things like that yeah maybe it's not yeah maybe it is i don't know uh, probably is. 
probably is not soporific enough when it kind of you know (laughs) 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 when you put it like that it probably is quite good if you pick your chapters maybe Um, uh, uh, we're getting some questions coming in on YouTube. So if you are joining us live on YouTube and you want to ask Damien some questions about either his book or about ultrawing or any of the crazy stuff he's been up to, um, Vicky Royale wants to um, kind of know whose birthday it is. She's obviously like really looking closely at the screen. I can see something in the background that says day. Oh, blimey. Um, so um, I oh, spy yes, bunting in the mine. background. This is it the... was my daughter's it was my daughter's birthday yesterday. Uh, she turned she turned ten, so I've been a parent for ten years, which is quite frightening, but probably not as long as you, Marcus. I don't think sixteen. Uh, I can trump you on, so I have a sixteen year old wow. my hands. So yeah, <laughs> you're practically a granddad. Uh, Thanks. I'm going to swing this back to the book. So, I mean, your children don't come across as being that impressed by your running (laughs) in the book. Are they still not really that fussed about it? No, no, no. They're not very interested. No, because I, I, um, yeah, no, they're not really, not really all that impressed or interested. Um, um, Yeah, I don't know where to. I mean, you don't want to go on about it too much, hopefully, because. I don't know if you, you know, it's natural for kids, I think, to rebel a bit against their parents. And I'm probably an even more natural person to rebel against just because I'm quite annoying and, and boring, uh, as we've already alluded to. Uh, I don't know, Marcus, what do your, what do your kids, uh, you know, what are their reactions to your running? <laughs> hey, we're interviewing you, not, <laughs> <laughs> not me tonight. I, I'm bored of me. <laughs> I'll make myself out sound like an amazing (laughs) parent, distant parent. They only see me a couple of times a week, so uh, yeah, I'm uber super cool, Dad, um, because he can get away with murder. They do just kind of expect you to win stuff. (laughs) When I went to do like the Howard Hobble when they were staying, which is like quite a short race like 30 mile one with some good fell runners and I'm kind of mid mid pack in that and then I the first answer like the first question I mean was just so where did you finish <laughs> it doesn't always work out like that that's your dad <laughs> so they do yeah they have uh, yeah. <laughs> not interested in 30 something I don't know <laughs> I, I remember reading a quite a good thing online comparing just like team sports to, to being a runner because at least in team sports I don't know maybe you win half the time or even a third of the time you can come over and say we won today kids we won our game and in running I mean Marcus Marcus wins a lot I don't actually win many races but but yeah the chances of winning aren't all that high for most people but yeah even in our household even then they're not impressed really just not very interested you quite often get a medal even though you don't win in running which is quite good though <laughs> That is true. And Which I, I think taken... can impress kids. <laughs> yes. Actually, my daughter for quite a long time, I'm not someone who hangs my medals up, but I've, I've got them in a shoebox or, well, two shoeboxes, um, down somewhere. And she did for a while when she was younger, think they were all wins. Um, <laughs> I, so that, I was, a good, that was the best moment. Yeah. But, aren't they, but aren't they inspired or impressed by the commitment that you have to ultra running and the training or do they kind of... You know, do they see that as your as your job now as well, or do they just see that something what Daddy does and he's off for another it, run? And we miss him. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've gone beyond the stage where they miss me now. To be honest, uh, I just think they, yeah, no, I don't think maybe maybe quietly, hopefully they are, but no, there's not any kind of oh, how was your run, Daddy, or like 
no, I'm just away for three days and I come back and, you know, they don't ask about it. Uh, they wonder if I bought them back a present. So I stopped bringing them back presents because I thought it was associated, you know, they'd look forward to me going away. Um, <laughs> no, they don't seem particularly impressed. But that honestly, that kind of, I think it kind of spurs me on a bit, you know, in the dark, the dark long nights uh, when you're, when you're running, running through the night. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it does spur me on a bit. But yeah, no, they're, they're not, they're not in, impressed or, uh, or anything really. And in terms of all the the um, races and records that you go through in this book, which one are you most proud of? Uh, um, yeah, probably the Pennine Way. Probably. Well, hopefully, like yeah. I was just thinking. I guess there are going to be some more attempts on it on it soon. Uh, there'll be several this are year. They? I <laughs> Oh, I don't need to yet. Um, <laughs> no, I've heard of, well, three three men's possibly attempts, um, but yeah, no, probably that one. Uh, it did feel like a sort of even almost a nine year uh, journey since I first walked it, uh, and like probably four years since I start seriously started thinking of it. So probably that one. I love um, the um the quote. I hadn't realised that, but in your guidebook that you'd written about the Pennine Way, hadn't you written about Mike Hartley's record and saying about how nobody would ever beat it? I mean, at that time, I'm guessing yeah. I had no idea that you would go on to beat that. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't even. I'm pretty sure I didn't ha have an idea of what ultra running was, or, or long distance fell running, or whatever we want to call it. Um, I don't, I don't, I, yeah, I didn't know what that sport was, and but I remember researching. I was reading the other guidebooks and the previous guidebook from from Orem Press, uh, and thinking, oh my goodness, like, you know, who does that? Like, I didn't know anyone who did that sort of thing. And I remember putting it in the book, just thinking, that's he's an alien, you know, he's just. <laughs> but then I suppose when you look back, you see there are several seeds planted, I suppose, in your mind, and and that would have been one of them. Um, you know, it took a long time for that to percolate round to think maybe I could try that, but yeah. Yeah, it was very, um, yeah, incredible to read about that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's inspiring, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? and talking about your kids kind of keeping you you grounded, we are getting some questions on, on YouTube, and, and Tom Bollins, I think, is kind of um, just wants you to keep you grounded oh, yeah, in, in some respects. This is, <laughs> this is Tom Bollins asking, I'm, I'm posting it on, oh, I don't know why the, the font's going to Oh, well, I'll read dark. it out. Which FKT were you more gutted to lose? Southwest Postal Path or Paddy Buckley? <laughs> Is that spelled Tom Bollen? Bollen, yeah, yeah. B-O-L-L-E-N. Yeah. Hi, Tom. <laughs> Tom's a school friend. Uh, How is he? Uh, so he's coming to heck with you. Excellent. Uh, well, kids and school friends are there to keep you grounded. <laughs> My school friends, yeah, just take the mickey out of me constantly still. <laughs> yeah, um... I think, uh, yeah, the Paddy Buckley round, I was very surprised to get that in the first place and then always just thought someone would take it a week later. Uh, so I think I had it over a year. That was quite, that was just a, yeah, bit of disbelief really because it was, you know, proper fell running uh, and one of the big three rounds. Um, I, but uh, yeah, you still don't like, you still don't enjoy handing a record <laughs> over. But um, but the Southwest Coast Path, I suppose, I got more used to that one. It was my first sort of decent, decent one. Uh and yeah, I got used to, I, maybe I'd got too used to it, you know, it was a good four years or so, you know, not quite the 31 years that Mike Hartley enjoys, but um, yeah, and I, I got used to seeing one or two people go for it and kind of not get all that close and kind of, you know, it just relaxes you and you, you think, ah, yeah, that's my record. Yeah, you can't have that. And then, uh, and then someone breaks it, which is a bit annoying. Um, so yeah, thanks, Tom. 
Thanks for that reminder. <laughs> Excellent. And if you've got any more interesting kind of yeah, questions, any, Tom, any, or... Anything else you want to tell us? Cancel him or delete him or something or mute him <laughs> we're always always welcome um talking about the spine um yeah because you've, you've done how many times have you done this the spine race it's, uh, uh just two just two just two just two <laughs> just two um john uh zinc is kind of asking for a bit of a kind of a top training tip and a piece of gear for the spine so two two kind of bits there to that question so your top training tip for the spine and your kind of top piece of kit other than tea bags. Um, <laughs> and he does say the spine rather than the Pennine Way, so I don't think Jay-Z is going for the Pennine Way record just yet. <laughs> oh, okay, phew, because I, yeah, I give him duff advice there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, training advice. I would actually say, uh, I think it's quite natural to think, right, I've got to do lots of long runs with a big heavy pack. I would actually say, you know, spend quite a lot of time doing 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 the opposite of that, and and work on work. Don't forget to work on your speed, and you know, get your economy up nicely so that you can you know travel at a decent speed. I think I sense a lot of people, you know, start doing the the long slow stuff a bit too soon, maybe, and, and load up the pack, and and that's going to kind of it will bring you a bit of strength, but it's going to kind of slow you down. Uh, and I would save that till you know quite near the event, really. Um, yeah, don't forget to get fast and strong as well. You know, I would do a bit of weight training because the, the terrain is pretty grueling and quite mixed and, you know, boggy and so on. Uh, in terms of kit, um, I'll try not to do something obvious like plug innovate. Um, <laughs> it's uh, all right. We're, we're loaded oh, up with Montaigne tonight. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> in quite a few instances, you do want to go with something really light because they really load you up with kit on that race. And uh, I think we've had good discussions online, haven't we, about who got the lightest spork. Uh, <laughs> what did we get down to? Was it like five or six grams? Or I think, no, I think we ended up with just like a plastic free one from the services right, or something. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, Decided that was like... Much, it, was about, it was about three or four grams. It was, <laughs> but I mean, I think it would probably just dissolved in a hot cup of tea or something. It, wasn't, you know, <laughs> it, it was, was more for show. It was like... <laughs> Yeah, but you have the lightest fork, so you know who's the weird, real winner. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the stuff that you're not really going to use, the sleeping bags and so on. Yeah, I, I would if you could afford it. Get get the lightest possible. Um, but yeah, when it comes to a waterproof jacket, yeah, you do want a proper one. Don't go with a lightweight one there. Um, that'd be my advice. Get a yeah proper waterproof jacket. You're going to be wearing it the whole time. Um, probably sleeping in it too. So yeah, get a proper one. Cool, brilliant. Great advice there on that one. We're getting quite a few questions coming in. We're getting loads, so I don't think we, we, know, we need to thing, ask exactly. you. So yeah. to, Tom's back now. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we going for? Should we go? Should we stick to the FKT? Yeah, I think while we're talking about the FKTs or records, 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 records. Um, because you have, I think we've not even mentioned the Kate Rath one that you did either, have we yet? But um, GB has asked, which FKT do you have your eye on next? And which aspect of training for an FKT do you find the toughest? Well, yeah, I do have a little scheme in mind coming up quite, quite soon, actually, this later this month. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll keep the, keep the details to myself, although you two are grinning knowingly. Um, <laughs> similar, it is in the north of England. It's a similar type of record, I suppose, is the best thing but You're to not going for the limestone way, are you? <laughs> I've only had oh, it like I've a heard that's really. I've only heard that's a really soft record. I might. I might <laughs> <laughs> um, 
um yeah i've got one coming up i've got yeah i've kind of got F- fkt fever still um i love even though races are beginning to come back on yeah they're just they're just really exciting they're great fun and, so do you think uh, you'll be planning um, these even if uh, even uh, or was it the, the races that you had planned this year aren't looking like they're going ahead yeah i think i i think by the end of maybe mid or middle of last year i thought i'm going to do from now on i'm going to do slightly fewer races and slightly more sort of record fkt attempts or just solo solo projects or whatever you want to call them um they're just i don't know you can do it totally on your own terms i suppose you, you know you pick where and when and and the style whether you're being supported or not and um whether you want to go for a, you know a soft a soft record like like marcus's or or you know proper one, proper one. <laughs> <laughs> no jess marcus marcus is faster than me i i, I wouldn't stand a chance um yeah, no, I really, I really, I really enjoy them. Um, and then also, yeah, you can do them totally solo and get that real satisfaction, like my winter paddy of, of having done it all yourself, which is really satisfying. But also it's great sometimes to sort of bring your mates in and and, and have a team thing where you really feel like, yeah, it's when running is, you know, it's a solo sport really, but you can really make it feel like a team event, which is really quite cool as well. Um, so I like that aspect. But yeah, I'd like to race race again at some point this year. But um I forgot what the question was, but yeah. And the second part of the question, which was which aspect of training um, oh. FKT do you find the toughest? Or do you find it tough at all? Or do you just enjoy that kind of having that goal? Yeah, it's I don't know if, well, it's probably always, like if I was given, a, my favourite type of run would be a lot, you know, a long run, uh, a, a, a bimble as some people call them. Um, <laughs> you don't, you call them that. <laughs> just me actually, yeah, no one else. Um, <laughs> um it's probably the speed work, to be honest. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit reluctant with that stuff. I'm not a runner who I don't love that so much of, of going, going fast. I like, yeah, I like four, you know, four, six, eight hours out in, in lumps. That's, that's the most fun thing for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but you know, when you do intervals, you nearly always feel fantastic afterwards and really relieved and, and satisfied that you have. But it's probably that. It's probably that. I think one thing, and I, I'm going to just show off that I've read your book now. <laughs> one thing I was surprised at in the book was that you seemed to, uh, you had the work of a psychologist helping you before the Pennine Way one, whereas I would have thought that that would have been more um, needed for a race situation, actually, rather than for an FKT. So it was a was there a reason that you picked that time to work with a psychologist? or And what was it that you were focusing on in terms of the FKT for that? Yeah, maybe it was, um, I just, I was just sort of, maybe we just had, or I had a bit more time because of lockdown and, and, and stuff. I just felt like I had time to really, I guess, prepare properly, prepare as fully as possible. I'd less, like a lot of people, I'd less travel, less trips away. And I just thought, what, you know, what are the aspects I haven't, where are my weak points? What are the aspects I haven't worked on before? Um, and although I've every, I've always sort of finished a race or finished a challenge, you know, not always as well as I would have hoped, but I just thought maybe there were some tricks, maybe you know, I, I should look into this. So I had, yeah, three sessions with with Dr. Josie Perry that were really helpful. Um, I was, you know, if I if I'm to be frank, you know, I was, it wasn't, you know, I'm intimidated by John Kelly, if I'm honest, and my and Mike Hartley because I see them as incredible athletes and I don't see myself on their level. Um, and so I, anybody that doesn't know like you and John Kelly shared a coach and were going for the Pennine Way record within well I mean at one point it was was it going to be on the same day but it ended up being was it 10 days apart I think it was he had the record for eight day yeah for eight days so it was yeah it was close um 
yeah, yeah, we got the, we've got the same coach, David Roach, uh, the American. So I did think, well, you know, physically, um, you know, we might not be all that different. So it might not be that aspect of it. So I did think it's going to be logistics. Like I've got to get the right team and, and just plan things as thoroughly as possible, be as efficient as possible. Um, and then I also, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't thinking, what's he not doing? But I thought, well, I've never really talked to a sports psychologist um, and, and she encouraged me, I think it was helpful. She encouraged me, I suppose, to try and bring, uh, I suppose, kind of my values into it and try and bring a message into it. So I, I suppose I was, you know, I was trying to bring more of an environmental sort of theme to it, although got to hold my hands up and, you know, several, quite a few car journeys happened that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, but, you know, overall, I sort of offset that, although that's a, that's a separate debate. But, but yeah, brought all those, you know, she said, bring those values in make them visible, you know, what's going to motivate you, what's your why, make it visible, you know, write it down, write it on the van. Uh, I don't think she said write it on your arm, but I did. Um, <laughs> that was the whole speculation uh, for the, the time you were running of what your FFF meant, wasn't it? Yes, I think the best, it was quite fun hearing different guesses. And obviously, yeah, the best guess was that it was, yeah, yeah, a repeated, a repeated swear word, which is, <laughs> um, um, but that was, yeah, that was a bit of fun. Um, but yeah, so she helped me. She helped me there. Um, I think just set up my motivation, think about my why. Um, yeah, I think it was useful. I think it was useful. Is that something that you've been able to pass on to the athletes that you coach? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and there are certain things, some other, um, I mean, it's worth going to her website. I think it's Performance in Mind, or if you just search for Josie Perry, yeah. there's some good sort of worksheets on her website. Um, and one of them is, for example, well, you can do like a confidence booster uh just beforehand which I, I did do i'll be honest uh i think that was helpful and there's something called like a what if sheet which i think is another good tactic where you kind of think well what am i worried about what what is most likely to go wrong and then you write that down and then you kind of write some things to try and prevent it and then you write some things of how you're going to respond um and yeah it does several things it hopefully makes you less likely to do that thing um but also some practical solutions are ready and you've got them prepared but also yeah, mentally, so you don't kind of fall apart. If you just the the obvious one is kind of uh, going off course, for example, like uh, like me and Marcus have been in a race together where we've both gone off course. So we, I, I we both know that we're both quite good at doing that. Um, I mean, you managed to but, do that in a spine race despite being the author of oh. the guidebook to the Pennine Way, which wasn't your finest moment. <laughs> yes, thanks for bringing that up. You really have the book, haven't you? Get a quick, um, let's quickly put Mozart to one side. Let's, let's brush that let's very it, quickly. Before you bring up the dad dancing, thank you. Um, oh, we've got a video yes. of that coming up. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. I'm going to regret this whole thing, aren't I? Um, we have too many photos of you. <laughs> yeah, disappointed in it yeah. in the book. The dad dancing, Dan. Yeah. Oh, just... oh, not the photos, but it was mentioned, the dad dancing on the stage. <laughs> It was mentioned. It was mentioned. Um, yeah, I got pretty badly lost on that first spine race. In mitigation, I was uh, very, very tired. I don't have done anything like that before. And it was very, very dark and cold. And I got very confused by some hallucinations. Um, yeah. Right. We've got more questions coming in as well, haven't we? I was going to... Um, well, we can come back to the Pennine Way in, in, a, in a wee bit, can't we, really? We can kind of... We've our way around to that. We can do whatever that. we want. We can. <laughs> uh, that's what Joyce of being in, in charge of this interview. Um, talk, keep in mind, so we've talked a little bit about training um, for an FKT um, and for the Pennine Way. And we've also been, so 
your other sort of well-known race you've done really well in is, is a UTMB Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't like to mention that. Doesn't well. We'll, we'll bring that up. Um, and and uh, Nicola, Nicola has said, what's the most important aspect in the training when it comes to UTMB? Logging the miles or the elevation? Are we going, what are we going for? <laughs> well, I, I would again approach it with, with, you know, work on your economy, do, do some proper speed work for a good spell beforehand. You know, you want to get, um into your well you, yeah optimize your your economy which is i suppose essentially making your your easy pace faster is one way to understand it um so i would work on that and then and then yeah maybe six weeks eight weeks out um and maybe you know you two are coaches as well maybe you'd do it differently but but th then you'd start thinking about about elevation and and really what you're doing there is and those those adaptations apparently come a lot sort of quicker um so it's your muscular adaptations uh, more so. And yeah, I would practice power hiking up steep things, uh, ideally for sort of a, a UTMB, it's several one kilometer hikes and descents. And it's the descents as well that are going to really give you some proper doms. Uh, so you, you, you have to be careful doing this, but yeah, you, you need to run down some sort of ideally one kilometer descents. And one of the best places to do that is, is Snowden, but, but you know, not, not kind of on a, on a sunny, a sunny day at the weekend, maybe um it's quite a busy place but that is one of the best mountains to do that on um so i would do some of that uh to condition your legs and and get used to the power hiking um and yeah certainly recommend poles so yeah elevation becomes becomes a big thing nearer the nearer the event i would say and in the book on i mean i don't know i'm guessing this is a feature kind of earlier in your running career but you seem to um do quite a lot of events quite close together shall we say like an FKT a week before UTMB or something like that. There was some, maybe I've got the days wrong. I mean, looking were those looking back, is that how you would train now, or were you just kind of making mistakes, <laughs> or is that a too strong a word? <laughs> well, if, again, to bring up Marcus, Marcus of course remembers very fondly when he when he coached me and almost sacked me. <laughs> um, I think he was. I think he wanted to sack me. Um, um, <laughs> Dragon's Back. Didn't I do a hundred miler about three or four weeks before Dragon's Back? I think yes. Yeah, and you also yeah. added in a cheeky little half marathon <laughs> when you ran a PB and was and were quite you're quite kind of pleased with yourself for running a PB and maybe I wasn't joining in your uh, in your celebrations as much because it wasn't part of a training program. Um, but at least it kind of did show that base endurance, easy running, things was working difference uh, upon. Yes. And I must say, uh, yeah, Marcus did, did really set me off well that year. It was one of my best years. And he brought me out of, brought me out of injury and really set me up really nicely. Um, and I had, yeah, really, a really good year after that. So was, thank you, Marcus. And I'm sorry I was such a pain. Um, and actually, I only stopped working with Marcus, I should say, because in the book, I, d I don't, maybe don't make it clear. I worked with several coaches early on, but it was always just a short term thing because I had no money and couldn't really afford to pay them. So it was always a sort of a deal where I'd get them some magazine coverage in return. So I didn't want to, yeah, keep... When I the probably, goodwill I ran out, then you'd have yes, to move probably, on. <laughs> probably. So I didn't want to take the biscuit, although I probably did. When I started losing um, my hair at the back, it's sort of like that kind of... But it does seem well, that you've kind of... Your, your race diary or your FKT diary isn't as full as it used to be a few years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, no, um, I've... Yeah, I've... Yeah, I've... I've 
what is it sort of yeah I feel like a parent with some of my coaching clients where you're trying to say actually you know six races in a year isn't isn't sustainable isn't such a smart idea um you know injury burnout or you just won't do as well as you can do in most of those races um so yeah I plan things a lot differently now and early on it was it was more about sort of they were more more almost stories for magazines and so it was almost like um I wasn't so bothered about my performances but then as as my performances improved I was just more and more excited about that and I started sort of cancelling races I suppose and saying no to things to to become an athlete to try and do better in those races um and yes yeah I think I ran around the Isle of Wight about 10 days before my first UTMB which again was I was thinking of (laughs) yeah which I I thought was I say only only about 60 miles but I hadn't really plotted it it was it was actually well over 70 uh yeah yeah I'm surprised that UTMB went went so well um but yeah I'm I'm a lot smarter now and and I um uh, and it's a shame you've had to bring this up if any of my coaching clients are, are, are watching. Well, it's in the book. Um, it's in the book. It's there. <laughs> you, true, you true, brought true. it up. <laughs> yeah. but, but essentially, as I'm sure you two would say as well, yeah, it, less tends to be more. Like now that I do, maybe maybe an ideal year would be like, I suppose, three big things, but even two. Um, and, and yeah, properly train for them, properly concentrate on them. Also, if you do all those things mentally, you're just you're not as excited about the next one. You're still tired from the last one. You, you know, you're more likely to not, not do well or, or not complete it. Um, and, and just not as in, enjoy it so yeah yeah I've, wow. I've learned it sounds like all those years ago you finally <laughs> listened to the advice I gave you at three races so um but yeah. keeping with, with with UTMB you kind of talked about you know training for this how how important because I know in your preparations that you spent quite a bit of time out in the Alps playing on the course playing around in those alpine mountains how, how important is it for something like UTMB or Tour de Gion or Lavaredo, those kind of big alpine um, races. It, how important would you say it is to get out in that kind of terrain and kind of just spend some time training on it? Or can we just in the UK spend time here and then go out and have a crack at them? Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, you, you you probably will do better if you can get out there. But I think people could still do very well without doing that uh, I, I was top 10 in Lavaredo without without going out there um um UTMB I only once I suppose each year counted as a recce you could say but like um <laughs> and you're final year, right? <laughs> I was always wrecking for that final year um in that final year where I had my best result yes I wrecked it then maybe four weeks beforehand or five weeks um but actually I don't know it's debatable uh, it's it's I don't want to go get too too boring but like the year before my time wasn't actually all that different when I when I placed 12th. The course was slightly different, so it's difficult to be sure, but there was probably only 20 or 30 minutes in it. But I suppose at UTMB, 20 or 30 minutes could be quite a lot of places. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you can do all right on British terrain. What's interesting is, say, the altitude. Like, I don't really feel it, but say Beth Pascal, for example, she does. So she, she really, you know, and she's, you know, uh, a proper runner. So she goes out before and, you know, properly, uh, you know, climatizes for it um i don't seem to feel the altitude as such but you know some people do some people don't um but yeah you, if you can get out there you, you probably will do better um excellent um well so uh, leon young um talking about other races coming up um wants to know if you're still doing uts 50 now it's in october talking yeah about is snowdonia oh yeah um yeah, I I I can't be sure. 
Um, I definitely want to do one of those races. They look fantastic. Um, Ultra Trail Snowdonia, that is. And yeah, they've got a they've got a hundred mile or hundred k and a fifty k now. Mm. Um, and I really felt for for Mike Jones, the the RD, when last year, um, yeah, they were so close to being able to put it on, but um, it, you know they changed it and changed it, and yeah, really felt for him. But yeah, it just looks like. I mean, I love Snowdonia, and it just looks like a cracking race. Um, but I don't know, yeah, because if UTMB is on, then it's too close afterwards. But who knows if UTMB is on? So yeah, I'm going to keep that one, keep that one live if I can, and let's see. Ah, I was so you were due to do UTMB last year i'm guess i've lost track of years now from, from covid um um so what what's the plans with going back there is it to to very much kind of beat your time from before win or nothing win or nothing uh, <laughs> excellent i like it i'm gonna do a zach miller zach miller on steroids no sorry not on steroids that's the wrong um, <laughs> <Scoop> here. <laughs> that's the wrong metaphor isn't it um i'm gonna do a zach miller uh you know do or die all or nothing um yeah uh, yeah because that always works because that you know it always works he raised many times and even the uh, uk and fifth it worked so much for all those guys so and... yeah you'll be out by 100k then <laughs> yeah yeah ideally not that long ideally just 10, 10k because the uh, then i can go and do uts 50 so yeah win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all the cool kids get pulled out at Cormier and then we just get driven back through the tunnel. Um, <laughs> excellent. I, I don't, so um, Orange Goblins asked an interesting question. And um, I don't know if you actually have ever DNF'd in a race at all. Um, but Orange Goblin wants to know how difficult is the decision to pull out of a race if you get injured? Have you ever DNF'd in a race? No, not not in an ultramarathon Um no, I've never, never, I've always been quite sort of lucky with, well, I don't know if it's probably not luck, but in terms of, yeah, I've always thought, well, when I started off, the advantage I had was that they were nearly all magazine assignments early on. And I thought, well, I won't get paid. <laughs> it's not about the money, but it's like, I'll be away from my family for two or three days, four or five days, dragons back, you know, a week. Um, and like, if I come back with kind of nothing or come back early like it's all been a waste for everyone so i had to, and also sometimes there was a photographer employed as well and i think they might have got paid but maybe not so like i was always had this sense of well, i've got to finish it because you know they've wasted their weekend as well so i had quite a good incentives early on um and then i think once you've completed the spine race uh yeah like nothing's been quite as hard as that first spine race to be honest so that's been a good like i say to myself is this as hard as the spine race well no you know crack on um so but i would say you know a proper you know if you've got a proper injury um yeah i i've uh, you know i've seen people well at the spine race actually have a have an ankle problem early on and go right i'm gonna finish this i'm gonna finish this i'm gonna finish this and then have a problem for two years so it's not always the smartest thing just to finish um you know if you know think of your health and think of the long term i don't think there should be you know much 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 shame in that especially if there's a you know a physical a physical issue save yourself for another day and in terms of your training um have you had any serious injuries or is have you had any niggles and if you haven't how have you prevented that um i've been very lucky the last few years um but yeah down the years i yeah after the spine race that bashes you up quite a bit and that's when when i went to see marcus when i was having yeah tendon yeah some tendon damage i think it was about six or seven weeks till i could run again uh i've had a uh I've had a badass, 
glutus medius I think that's the story in the book about the southwest coastal path van isn't it I was wondering where that was where that was going I thought this was going to significant exposure we're not past half past nine we're not past one nine not past one and actually yeah the the so they were only quite fairly short-lived the biggest problem I've had was yeah an Achilles a tenacious Achilles issue for for uh, maybe yeah a few months, but I still I still did a few races on it, of course. But then ultimately I had to stop for I suppose six weeks off is, is the longest I've had, which is which is yeah I feel very lucky for that. Um, and why I, I'm not totally sure. I guess I mean nowadays I do a fair bit of strength work. I suppose regular massage, yeah, running got, technique. We've got snoring. Oh, here. sorry, Sherlock. He's <laughs> really boring. He's snoring around. <laughs> <laughs> what about the work? Because you. Um... So you were one of, I remember a couple of years ago, kind of chatting about some bits we were talking about, but you mentioned Shane Benzie and kind of passing in conversation. You've spent quite a lot of time working with, with Shane Benzie being coached on your kind of the technique work. How much do you think that's helped you as well keep away being injury free or prevented injuries? I think it's definitely had an impact. I think it would be one of five or six things, I suppose, that I, that I do might do consistently or from time to time. But but yeah, when I first met him, my you know I was running, I was all over the place, arms were everywhere, massively overstriding. Um, yeah, I was doing everything everything wrong really. Uh, I, I was an accident waiting to happen. So so yeah, if you pick up the mileage and you're running badly, there's a, you know more. I would say I don't know if it's actually you know strictly a study on it, but but like you got a better chance of getting injured. I think if you're if you're smashing into the ground and and beating yourselves up. Um, so I think that's helped. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think it's a combination of stuff. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I very rarely drink alcohol, for example. Um, maybe I'd be a bit more exciting if I did. Maybe I'll actually have some jokes and stuff. Could could, could have made this evening far more entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Could Sorry. have been a bit of yeah. and Jeffing going on. Could have, you yeah. know. And what about the strength? You, you, I need you briefly touched about strength work there, and I know you've posted it on social media about the kind of strength work because you work with um, a coach in Bath, don't you, for your co- your strength work. How integral a part is that? Is that something you do daily, kind of once a week, or how does that kind of? Yeah, um, probably I suppose two two to four times a week of maybe sort of. Usually it's just you know twenty to thirty minutes. I think it's it's a lot more realistic for people, including myself, if it's kind of a short shorter burst rather than you know massive hour long things that you just keep putting off. And and yeah, back to that question earlier, I, I have learned to like strength work to an extent now but yeah probably i'd even pick a, a, a an interval session over strength work i suppose <laughs> ultimately strength work is funny Shut um, Gosh. Yeah. um but yeah i've learned to learn to enjoy it and i do feel the benefit of it in, in several ways so and yeah studies have shown it can benefit economy um so i think it's yeah i'd say it's really worth worth doing and, and is that working with a coach or have you just kind of made your programs up yourself and no, it's a bit of both. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually going to see, um, I'm pausing because I'm actually sort of working with a different guy now, uh, Co- oh. Coach D, um, who, who used to work for the same company. But yeah, I'm going to see him tomorrow, actually, um, now that gyms are opening. But actually, he does uh, weekly Zoom, sorry, d- almost daily Zoom classes. So I often do 30 minutes in the morning, uh, three times a week. Um, and also, I should mention Paul King at team bath athletics club who does brilliant core strength um online or during lockdown online classes which are quite quite grueling um 
So yeah, combination of stuff. Right, cool. And, and Leon Young has kind of jumped back in and said, um, actually, he's um, it's September, not October. I thought it was September, but gave I didn't. So, so <laughs> he, so he realised he's, he's got one less month of training for ultra snowing. So it's not, not enough. Good job, good job he checked. Otherwise, he would have been rocking up in October going, where is everybody? Or been looking at social media going, hang on, why did they this race? Um, Rolimans asked quite an interesting question. I don't know. Have you done a mountain marathon before? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, uh, pulled pull the the wrong question up. Um, so, everyone wants to know what you think is the what is the physical and mental difference between a weekend mountain marathon and an ultra marathon? Yeah. So I've done I've done Om once. Oh, uh, I know that. Uh, Which one did you do? The one in the Brecon Beacons. It was only a short score because my friend was injured. Um, Going to ask who the friend was that you were doing it with, or who the victim was. <laughs> Uh, Alex, my friend Alex Copping from around here, who I mentioned in the book, um, and we had that classic moment of of um, both pointing, the other, going right, where's the next score? Both pointing the opposite <laughs> way, uh, you know, almost like a Carry On film, and no, both being quite adamant that we were right. Uh, I, I was um, with, your, done, with your top notch navigational skills, of course. Absolutely, um, yes. Of all my running skills, uh, the yeah, the, the the worst is navigation. Um, Dark, I've done Dark Mountains, the the January yeah. one goes through the night, which is which is quite well, yeah, really challenging. I did that with a good friend Tim Laney, who's um, who you guys will know, who's uh, yeah, brilliant, very experienced at that sort of stuff. Uh, and actually, yeah, what, partly why I paused when you asked about DNFs, we didn't DNF, but we couldn't find one of the controls, so effectively we were, I think, disqualified or, or whatever the terminology is there. So we didn't. You know, it wasn't a failure of spirit, but we couldn't find one at four o'clock in the morning in a whiteout. And we looked for about an hour and we're getting quite cold. So actually, it was it was probably safer just to move on and sort of give up. But that means effectively, well, yeah, effectively, we're disqualified because we didn't complete it. Um, so, yeah, not very good at those. Uh, <laughs> I think because ultra running, yeah, you don't you sort of have to use your mind, but really, you can just turn it off. And I'm probably not very clever, really, whereas Mountain marathons, you really do have to, you know, it's, it's cerebral. Uh, you have to look at maps and do bearings and, and be quite clever. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not, yeah, not very clever. So, I think you fully admit that you gave all navigational tutors to Beth in the Cape Wrath. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it it early on transpired that she was sharper on that respect. So she'd be like, "When's the next turning? What? How big's the next climb?" And I'd be like, "Oh." Right, uh, uh, daydreaming. I was just like, oh, wow, look at these views. So I just handed all the responsibility to her, which did seem to um, be a nice balance. I had to carry a bit more, but um, that's... I was going to say a nice she, she happier. <laughs> Well, she seemed happier because she wanted to know and I wasn't giving her the information. Well, she, yeah, so, sometimes you yeah, just she know happier. you're not going to get lost, so let's do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it worked out. I think so. Okay. We're, still, we're still talking. Excellent. So yeah, mountain marathons are a lot more. Well, it's orienteering. I call them orienteering on steroids. The mountain marathon because they are. Are you on steroids? Pardon? <laughs> steroids? No, no. Mountain marathons are orienteering on steroids. Not. I don't mean mountain marathoners. I mean the events. It's like the event themselves. Okay, not, careful, not, careful. Not, not, not those doing mountain. Now, I don't think you'd get many mountain marathoners doing steroids because well, they tend it's to be the big prize breed. money that you get for those yeah, races. That kind of, you know, when I won the Kim, the trophy was phenomenal. Right. Um, 
and that Kim voucher was what everybody wanted that year. Um, we're talking about UTMB earlier um, about about the race, and somebody did ask the question because there has recently been a bit of kind of news um, about the UTMB race itself and that it's kind of gone into partnership um mike ethington has asked a question um utmb iron man thoughts question going again question so i think we know we, we've already kind of if it's that you on you will be going again but what's your thoughts so, so yeah do you want to explain can you explain what's happened there with utmb and iron man Yes, I can. So, yeah, I saw I saw the announcement um, a few days ago, like most people. And I don't know much about the triathlon world or Ironman, but it seems most people don't have anything good to say about Ironman. Um, so it's made people quite, quite nervous uh, and worried, I suppose. Um, now, uh, yesterday, I think it was, Ian Corliss asked me to go on his podcast and talk about it. So I thought, oh, bugger, I better sort of try and find out, you know, try and actually understand what all this is about. So I actually spoke to someone um, quite senior at UTMB and also a, a race director in the UK to get their perspective. Um, so, and, and I guess the headline, uh, or, or at least the summary is, it doesn't seem as bad as maybe it sounded, I think. But my big, my first concern was, is this encouraged? So the whole setup about qualifying has changed as well, but maybe not as much as it sounds. But I was worried it would like encourage a lot more flights, I suppose, and a lot more travel. Um, and probably the biggest footprint in running is our travel to international events anyway, if you fly. Um, uh, so, but what you do now, yeah, you can still qualify inside the UK. You, you, you'll do a qualifier race, just like a UTMB points race, but you only need to do one. And that, that sort of gets you on the system. That kind of starts you off. And it could even be a 20K or 50K or something. It doesn't have to be huge. Um, then you do need to do, um, there'll be one like UTMB event in, in, in our country to start with, but they're looking into a second one and maybe even more. And there'll be, I think 30 of them around the world and they will try and concentrate them on the areas that go to UTMB. So Britain has a huge amount of people at UTMB. I think we're maybe the third or fourth most popular sort of nationality there. So they'll try and give us good events in, in Britain. Um, one, one should be ready next year at least. Um, and you'll need to do that complete that but there are various distances um complete that you get a stone or several stones and, and then you can go straight into the the ballot so in a way that's quicker than it used to be where for a lot of people it'd be two three four years and now obviously the more stones you get the better chance you have in the ballot like at western states so you might want to do more races or you might want to do longer distances but you don't sort of have to um so we'll see how that goes. And it might be that the congestion of people happens at a domestic level trying to get into this, at the moment, one UK race. That might be the problem now. And there's more congestion there and less congestion at the UTMB end. But hopefully that will thin out um, if more events come. My next one, yeah, so it's the environmental thing. And is it still really accessible to, to your everyday runner? Um, it sounds like they're going to be okay. And then the third re reservation for a lot of us was, you know, the Ironman thing. And John Kelly was, who know, you know, has done lots of Ironmans, um, was quite outspoken on Twitter saying it's, you know, uh, I don't want to misquote him, but yeah, he wasn't in favour um, of the organisation. Um, now I've chatted, uh, yeah, to, to this this person at UTMB, and they said, you know, there's no plans to hike the prices. Um, you wouldn't see any Ironman branding at UTMB. You know, they 
they appreciate that the, the values of trail running are very different to triathlon. They're not going to try and, uh, you know, uh, rip everyone off and, and stuff. So I felt encouraged, but I suppose, you know, I'm trying not to be too naive. I mean, um, let's see what happens, I suppose. But, um, and also what was really interesting is they, they hinted that, so Ironman has already bought three big races around the world. They already owned Terraware in New Zealand, Ultra Trail Australia, and then they just bought Mozart 100, which me and Marcus have done, and, and you've been out there videoing people dancing at. Um, <laughs> so they were already compiling a list, you know, uh, not a list, sorry, a collection of races. And UTMB, they hinted that, like, if they didn't get involved with them, UT- Ironman would have, like, a rival circuit, which I guess might not have mattered to us. We might have just ignored them i don't know but you've also got sparta coming in last a year or two ago as well taking some of the race like lavaredo and forming their own circuit so you've got i think it's you know the secret about trail running is probably out and and big commercial bodies are you know trying to get in on it and um you know maybe this is for the better and also but also we shouldn't take i mean utmb is is fine you know they'll they'll they reassured me that you know you know they make plenty of money they're not they're not going anywhere but like ronda del sims disappeared last year and that was a race a big hundred miler in in um andorra that i wanted to do some time i just thought it would always be there and it's gone um so yeah we might be in a new era now where i suppose more money's coming in but maybe it'll preserve some races maybe some things will change but we'll see yeah hopefully that's helpful yeah, no, I mean, it was just a really interesting. I mean, uh, also, in some respects, because of the uncertainty we've had of not having races on during COVID, and then in some respect, we were all expecting just to get back into usual races, and then this is suddenly announced, it almost throws a curveball into what, you know, we perceive we'd just be getting back into suddenly, you know, this organisation like Ironman, which, as you say, is for a lot of trail runners and ultra runners, is perceived to kind of you know not i wouldn't say snootily but um but you know it, it doesn't have the same reputation it feels at times as somebody like some trail races which are very low-key and aren't there to make lots of money and it was almost a bit of a worry that this big corporate organization was going to come in and change a lot of the ethos of our very simple basic sport almost yeah i mean but UTMB almost sits in the middle of those two things, doesn't it? Where some people already see UTMB as as not really, you know, it's very different to the fell running world, for example. Um, and yeah, people are quick to quick to say, oh, I could do this fell race for £2.26 uh, and UTMB costs, I think it's 280 euros, which actually I think is still decent value. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not a spokesman for the for the race and there are things about it I don't like, but, but <laughs> actually the experience you get out there, it's, it's pretty good. Um, so UTMB sits in the middle. Um, I don't know. It'd be interesting. I, I, yeah, I can't predict how it's going to go, but we'll see, I suppose. I mean, it might be that UTMB, I think, have had trouble trying to set up a race in America or, or to or to link in the American side of things. It might be that they get Ironman to take care of that or do stuff over there. And, and uh, yeah, who knows? who knows how that will go? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it must have been a horrible time for race organisers. Yeah, we mentioned Michael Jones earlier, the organiser of Ultra Snowden, and had a few chats with him. You know, it's been a very difficult year. You know, it's for some of us who are coaches, it's, you know, it's, it's we've still been able to get work coming in, but for people who are race organisers who have st- set up their businesses, organisers, races like Shane Shane Oli, at Aria events for Dragons Back and Kate Rath, 
um, you know, we've got to be mindful that those people have had a real difficult time over the last 12 months of not having events on. Um, so I think they've got to be creative in some respects, haven't they? And think about ways of, of keeping their business coming in. Yes. Yes, it must have been very, yeah, really horrible. So um, I think, yeah, and, and, and like I say, with Ronda Del Sims disappearing, it shows you that, yeah, we can't guarantee these events will be around. So, so we got to, I suppose we've got to support them either we've got to support them or, or they might need to look for other ways to, you know, keep them sustainable. So, um, yeah, but I guess, yeah, with UTMB, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Are there mm. any um, races that are on your bucket list that must do for you that you haven't done already? Uh, yeah, I do. I do want to do the Tour de Gion. I think that's, that's been calling me for a while. I just keep, keep signing up for UTMB by mistake or almost <laughs> out of habit. Um, but yeah, Tour de Gion, I, I, I would, yeah, I'll try hard to get into that next year. I think I've been, I've been wanting that one. And yeah, I mean, there are some races in America that, that interest me, but they're all, yeah, they're so difficult to get into. Mm. And of course there's a, you know, a big flight. So that's, that's something I'm being more conscious of now. Um, and weighing that up, but yeah, Tour de Gion, I think. You guys fancy that one? Oh yeah, definitely. But as you said, there's so many, so many races out there trying to, pick and choose and, and how you, you know and, and you, you kind of alluded there about the kind of flying and again in the last kind of sorry about Sherlock snoring and crumbling in the background um in the last couple of years you've kind of got this bit of a persona of being a can I can I, can I say eco warrior is, is that is that is that still a thing but somebody who's passionate about our environment um how much does that now have an influence the races or events that you're thinking about doing um yeah i mean uh, firstly i i guess i i i suppose i'm aware it um it's there's a there's a contradiction in what i'm doing and and some people I'll, I'll seem like a hypocrite in that i might fly sometimes it's been it's been it's been quite nice not you know not being able to fly for a long time um and uh, yeah and i represent the sports brand and and you know, fa the fashion industry is a, is a huge issue, a huge polluter. In fact, um, fashion industry is is worse than aviation overall. Um, so, but I'm I'm just trying to be more, yeah, a lot more responsible, I suppose, with those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, it, I, it's really changed. I suppose I think to it's in, in the book. I think two or three years ago, yeah, I realised I'd flown six or maybe seven times in a year. Including I mean, one was a family holiday, but it was still, you know, I wasn't really aware of how much of a footprint that was creating and, and then when I looked into it I was quite horrified really and, and thought I can't I can't sort of continue to do that so um yeah I, I wouldn't say I've given up flying altogether it, it, you know if an amazing race you know if there's an amazing race or you know if I can get to one of these races in America but that would almost definitely be the only flight of the year and you know I'd offset it and so on but and, and I've made other lifestyle you know copied you guys and gone gone vegan and um um, the other big change most people can make is is changing the energy in their houses uh, to a renewable energy supplier, which you can do in like five minutes online. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's a big debate to be had, like there's personal changes and there's political changes. And obviously the pol political stuff can have so much more impact. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not, uh, how do I say this? Yeah, I'm not trying to tell anyone else what to do. And I haven't really done much myself, to be honest. Um, but I, I think it's the political stuff to really think about. Um, uh, whether that's protesting or, or joining in even online campaigns, but also voting, you know, voting for, for unfortunately, we don't have a, a big election for a while here, but, you know, voting for people who care about the planet um, because we're really, um, 
yeah, at risk of getting all serious, we're really, really desperately running out of time. We're, we scientists say we need to cut 45% of global emissions by the end of this this decade. You know, so it, we need dramatic changes, um, and all that's all that's yeah got me quite stressed out. Um, I'm trying to think of a uh, a, a light-hearted way to end this round. <laughs> I'm not. Had you, I'm had not you really... always been that kind of conscious about your kind of carbon footprint, or was this was it almost a bit like a midlife crisis? All of these some of the things happening and reading some articles. Um, I've got to do something about. No, I was. Well, yes and no. I mean, I grew up with uh, I don't know, sort of fairly classic hippie parents. You know, they voted green for decades, and my sister's been in Extinction Rebellion for a while. You know, lives in Bristol. I think it's mandatory there. Um, uh, so I guess I've come from that sort of background. I and I went to school in Stroud, where Extinction Rebellion were formed. Um, so I guess it's that sort of background. But then, like a lot of people, I sort of had climate change fatigue, where you just see all the headlines all the time and just think, oh yeah, yeah, we know the Arctic's melting. We know we haven't got any bees left. We know we've got no flat, you know, no no insects anymore. But you know, someone will sort it out. Uh, and then you kind of go, hold on, <laughs> no one's sorting it out. This is a bit frightening now. Um, so it was, yeah, more of a midlife crisis moment, but a sort of, I suppose, a background of of, of that sort of um, those sort of values. But then uh, a midlife crisis moment almost to, to compound my other midlife crisis moments. Which... <laughs> I mean, there's a few we can name for you. <laughs> <laughs> and discovering running in the first place. Um, yes, yeah, it's more in the last couple of years where I've really, I, well, I genuinely feel stressed and anxious about about it and the fact that, you know, so many things aren't happening that need to happen. Um, yes, yes. Not sure, again, struggling for a lighthearted. <laughs> <laughs> so what can we do, the average runner, as um, kind of thinking about tips for us for being conscious about the environment in terms of picking races and things like that yeah thanks that's a great question um it looks like and i am i'm very lucky i'm probably well i'm working on a second book for vertebrate and it is about sort of sustainability and running i think for most runners our biggest footprint will be from traveling to to events or at least ultra runners or people who go abroad i suppose but i don't think anyone should say oh you can't fly anymore i don't think that seems quite fair but i think it's consider how you know how many times you know is is right for you to fly consider whether that's kind of fair consider whether you can make other adjustments in your life so yeah again the big the big two other ones are your diet um and and the energy for you know your your house usually which is a really quick one and, and eating eating plants is is fun and much easier than i than i realized uh, well I've, I've always eaten plants but like um yeah giving up giving up meat and dairy is um actually really easy and fun um uh and uh, yeah i love i love what dan lawson and charlotte his his wife are doing with rerun clothing and and they're concentrating on um yeah t-shirts effectively so running has a t-shirt problem and as i said earlier fashion the fashion industry is a huge huge polluter and makes you know so much unnecessary clothing that, that takes a long you know there's a lot of water and carbon emissions involved in creating it and then often they're in a landfill and they're and that's releasing methane as, as they rot and and you know taking decades to biodegrade um a lot of our tops you know a technical top is effectively plastic um so if we can you know and so many races give us free t-shirts that often we don't don't really need or want um so if we can start politely saying no to no to races this is the message from rerun clothing just just politely say no to a race but even better if you if you, if races race is can sign up to uh trees not teas then it gives people the option they can they can plant a tree instead with with jim man's uh jim man's company who's a record-breaking fell runner fell runner 
Uh, Marcus will know well from from racing him um, and and me. Uh, um, so that that's yeah, there's some things to think about there. Hopefully, hopefully yeah, that's no, it. they're good. And I was also like one of the things that you highlighted was about like even just the packaging of uh, running bars and what we're taking out on a run and thinking about that because that's something that we can easily change. Yeah. Now I must admit I'm that that's a lot of these areas are very complicated and this one is complicated because for example if i don't know if i bought if i bought a, a locally made bar that had a bit of plastic on or if i stopped for a while so last year i tried to do all my big challenges without any plastic waste so i didn't buy bars in plastic or any or even crisps in plastic or bottles in plastic um but actually sometimes i might buy an avocado um which you know is sometimes available without plastic and that might have come you know, from Mexico, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that delivery as such, but like that might have actually had a bigger carbon footprint. So I, I must be honest, I'm still sort of still working out <laughs> all of that of how, like, how do we eat, you know, responsibly? You know, we that live. Sorry. Hello, we're back. Sorry, we just lost our internet there. Um, I maybe, I got maybe, maybe the government was tuning uh, in and they were getting a bit concerned that we were getting a bit kind of... Radicalising us. Yeah, and they're like, took our internet down quickly um <laughs> yeah, so, yeah you're saying yeah i mean uh, yeah about packaging and stuff and like you say yeah avocados and almond milk and stuff like that when you look in the carbon footprint of them you think in chickpeas as well you think great it's gonna be really good for the environment but yeah if they're coming all the way from mexico um or other parts of europe and kind of transportation it is yeah it does become a really interesting one doesn't it a kind of a really, yeah so i'm still worm. i'm still trying to work all that out if i'm honest but yeah one thing pebble you at least we can think of our plastic, our plastic consumption. There's a really, really good book called um, How Bad Are Bananas by Mike Berners-Lee, which goes through lots of individual things in your life, even like reading an email, how much emissions would that have released? Um, and the good thing is bananas aren't that bad, by the way. Um, <laughs> they've traveled a long way. Um, it doesn't, they haven't necessarily been air freighted. So um, yeah, it's not that straightforward, but, but, Plastic, yeah, plastic is is pretty bad and is ending up just everywhere. It's quite frightening. So yeah, that is something people, could, you know, if we can cut down on our plastic. But but so, I suppose just sometimes something locally that is in a bit of plastic that might last a bit longer isn't necessarily worse. But yeah, it's complicated. I think that the message that you put across is just kind of do your best. Like even if we yeah. can solve this and be perfect, did you, or is it somebody else that used the hashtag like imperfectly green or something like that? Yes, or imperfect activism because yeah, aiming for perfection. Like none of us are going to get there. No one's morally perfect. So just being a bit better or progression, not perfection. Yeah. Don't be afraid to. I suppose don't be afraid to. You know, just improve a bit and, and don't worry that you're not perfect. Because um, I'm certainly not. But you know, I'm trying. Um, so I'm yeah, sure we'll all people... call you out on that on social media. <laughs> you claim that you're perfect. Your yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, you put yourself up for that at the but, moment. But, 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 but even that, even though you're putting yourself up there, I mean, but it, it is good to be reminded, isn't it, about our impact upon the environment? Because like we're saying about UTMB going into partnership with Ironman, you know, we claim mm. our sport is this wonderful being con in con connected with the environment and being in the outdoors and is quite in some respects almost like a, a, an experience but then we are having an impact upon that environment by our rubbish or by the stuff the kit we're buying and how many you know we're always getting the new bits of kit but i think yeah it's it's good that we are being prompted and being kind of reminded actually 
that sometimes wanting the latest piece of kit, it, it does, does have an environment impact and our current running pack might actually still be working completely fine. Yes, and uh, that's something I've been working on. I mean, I'm, I'm no different to anyone else. When you, when you see the new version, it's tempting to think, I need the new version. Uh, and often often your current version is is just fine. Uh, um, and, and yeah, the most sustainable kit is the kit you've got now. Uh, and we're certainly, I think most of us are, are guilty of over-consuming, like to, to, you know, having too many things, whether that's running stuff or not. Um, and, and they all have an em- emissions associated and then and then... They often end up, yeah, creating more emissions when they're sort of disposed of. So, yeah, we can all be a bit better. I, again, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to be better at that, you know, repairing things, reusing, refusing even with the T-shirts um, mm. uh, and trying not to, yeah, still using. I'm trying to trying to see if I've got an example around here. I did did post one or two on Instagram the other the other week, uh, but they weren't, they weren't that impressive. It was, yeah, some gloves with a, ho- a hole in. and a... oh, You need to get some better socks. <laughs> Need to get socks like in gingy socks, which don't get holes in. Personally, I would recommend. You sponsor by in gingy Well, I might well be actually. Yeah, <laughs> um, I must say, I, when I, in the past when I've used in gingy socks, they've been good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm also happy with my innovate socks. Uh, they, they look I like they're your, Sunday, they're, they're your Sunday best ones, weren't they? Your your holy ones. There you go. You can you can have that dad oh, joke dad for free. Jokes. Have that one. The that dad your, dad your ten year old will <laughs> will love that one. <laughs> Um, my 16-year-old got me with one of my brilliant dad jokes every week in a, in, in a shop looking at camouflage stuff, but I'll tell you about that one later. Uh, all the years, of, all hard years, you know, those years of trying to get dad jokes across actually finally paid off and did a blinder. Anyway, David, we, we have been chatting for over uh, an hour and yeah. we're meant to be on until Sorry, we still haven't got eight. to a lot of questions. Sorry about that. Yeah. I, I, um, but I think we kind of covered lots. <laughs> I, all right. I, I mean, I could do a very quick few if you want, but um, yeah, one about, about um, I think the ones that we missed was one about how you motivated yourself during lockdown. Oh, maybe this is to, maybe they're worried about us getting another lockdown. <laughs> um, I found it really, um, yeah, motivating because you didn't have anything imminent. So actually, you just I just went running for the for the joy of it. Really, that sounds a bit a bit wishy-washy and hippie but but <laughs> I just felt the pressure kind of lift a bit and just go and run and explore so that I almost re, re you know re-fell in love with running actually I, I hope I hope other people felt the same um but yeah I still had some, yeah still had some down days as well like, like we've, actually, we've actually got a question for Marcus <laughs> did Damien have any unusual quirks as an athlete when you coached him <laughs> oh gosh well, I think we should end the show here uh, <laughs> suddenly you haven't got time for any more questions <laughs> That's quite good. I think we've um, we've maybe they have to wait. Taken apart Damo's <laughs> approach as a coached athlete enough tonight. Um, the other <laughs> final question was about your plans for this year. So we've got a secret thing that we're not talking about, and you've mentioned UTMB. Is there anything else coming up this year for you? At the moment, they're the they're the two things. But I would I would definitely like to do yeah at least one other thing. But it's just yeah what and 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 when. So I'm not totally sure. Um, yeah, at the moment they're my two big things. But hopefully um, one more thing. What about a um a certain little spine race come winter? Is that is that a possibility? I mean, if you start posting photos of sleeping bags around December, which I think you did the <laughs> other year, I mean, it can only mean one thing. <laughs> I uh, I might be tempted. I might tempted. be tempted. 
Somebody's yeah. just mentioned the Barclays. Is that a, is that a temptation for you? It is tempting. Yeah, it is tempting. But it's well, uh, I can't find the website. <laughs> you need to go. It's taken over by Iron Man. I think that one. <laughs> That's how they get you into America. Going straight into the Barclays. Yeah. I mean, then we know the sport's a bit doomed. <laughs> fantastic brilliant Brilliant. so if people want to get hold of your new book in for the long run how can they get hold of a copy because that's what you're meant to be here talking about (laughs) we talked about so much other stuff you'll be chucking yours out well i'll just go to the nearest bargain bin of your your nearest bookshop uh yeah no uh it's better to buy it if possible from the vertebrate website uh it's 20 percent off there so it's the same price as amazon um, I think the Vertebrate website is v-publishing, uh, but if you just uh, search Vertebrate Publishing, um, yeah, very feel very grateful for the reception it's had and for the amount of people who have um, bought it, and I hope they don't regret it too badly, but thank you very much. We got ours for free, so we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Well, we'll, we'll put a link down below um, on the YouTube channel and on the podcast yes. show notes, so that we'll put a link to the vertebra so people can head over to vertebra to buy a copy rather than and lots of and, other amazing running books that they have and if people are interested in hiring you as a coach are you still taking athletes on are you still doing lots of coaching if i'm honest i'm i'm, I'm at capacity at the moment but um yeah try try marcus or jenny they you know <laughs> we're, we're, I'm, I'm at slightly capacity as well so um <laughs> it's, it's been an interesting year for how coaching has kind of bl- blossomed during lockdown in some respects uh, well, yeah, uh, if you like, uh, maybe later in the year or, or something, or at least I can direct you to some other good coaches. Um, you can find me on Instagram quite easily, hopefully. I was going to say. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we'll... We'll put your social media bits <laughs> on there so people can find you and get in touch with you and be inspired on how they can make a bit less of a carbon impact and change their carbon footprint as well. Or maybe just have a little look at some photos and do detective work of what your next plan is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you if you yeah. recognise those lumps, <laughs> <laughs> recognise those heels, recognise those paps. It might be Albert to two out two. My equal five. Brilliant, Damien. Well, thank you so much. Good luck with everything much. this year. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, good luck for UTMB. We look forward to seeing you out there smashing it, full on, going for it, <laughs> really hard, and uh, Zach Millering it. Zach yep. Millering it. Yeah, and good luck. Um, thank you. Thanks for having me on, and yeah, catch up soon. Yeah, yeah we'll catch you soon. Take, Take it care, easy. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Oh, fantastic! Well, there we go, to Mr. Damien Hall. Um, and uh, there we go. Wonderful. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this evening's chat with Damien. And um, if you kind of got any more comments of what we've been talking about, please post them below. If you've been following us on YouTube and watching us on YouTube. Click subscribe to keep up to date with what's going on. And if you've been listening to us on the podcast and you've enjoyed it, then please leave us a review. It kind of helps our ratings. And uh, yeah, I think that's all the admin bits and pieces done. Next week, I think Claire's back. Yeah. Maybe at so. half past six. Sure. We, know. we have enough information um, to do anything. Yeah, we'll have to have a piece of paper. Get reading report and don't out. ask me who's um, on in two weeks. We're, we're back on in two weeks and uh, we have a mystery guest. Um, so yeah, keep your, again, this is why it's so important to subscribe to the channel because you'll get 
um, uh, a kind of a link to who we've got in two weeks' time. So hopefully you can join us in two weeks' time. Uh, stay safe. Enjoy the running you've been doing. If you've enjoyed it, can say click on subscribe and uh, keep in touch. Take Bye-bye. care. Goodbye. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30pm UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails.